0: Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message.
1: Good morning, City Life. I can't hear you. Good morning, City Life. So glad to be here. Uh, It's a wonderful time to be able to share uh, the message with you all. And before we get started, what we want to do, of course, you all know we've been in the book of Luke. How has that been? Has it been a blessing to go through the scriptures? Amen. So what I want to do is we're going to read uh, the entire chapter of Luke 24. I'm going to have Rob and Jamin come up. If you all can join me on stage and uh, they're going to read the entire chapter and then we're going to get started. Amen. 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 Give them a clap as they come.
0: All right, Luke 24. It's going to be a minute, so hang on. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women uh, were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, it is necessary that the Son of Man be, be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and risen on the third day. And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen clothes. So he went away and amazed at what he went away at wow so he went away amazed at what had happened you ever uh have a librarian and you're just so impressed how they do all the inflections and everything i'm practicing this is good now that same day the two of them were on their way to the village called emmaus which was about seven miles from jerusalem together they were together they were discussing everything that had taken place and while they were discussing and arguing jesus himself came Near and began to walk along them, but they were prevented from recognizing them. Then he asked them, "What is this dispute that you're having with each as you as you are walking?" And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, "Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happen there in these days? What things?" He asked them. So they said to him, "The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet." Uh, a prophet powerful in the action and speech before God and all the people And, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said that they didn't see him. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interrupted, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us, because it's almost evening, and now that the day is almost over, so he went to stay with them. You're up, Jamin.
2: It was reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. When their eyes were opened, they recognized him, but they disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while, we, while he was talking with, with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That was that very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11, the 11 and those with them gathered together who said the lord has truly been raised and appeared to Simon then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was knowing he made known to them in the breaking of the bread as they were saying these things he himself stood in their midst he said he said to them peace to you but they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled? He asked them. And why do you, why do you, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. That is, I myself, touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones. As you can see, I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But, while they were still, um, while they were, st- but while they were still amazed in dis- disbelief because of the joy, he asked them, "Do you have anything here to eat?" So they gave him a piece of the of bro- a broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He told them, "These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That." Everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what, was, what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. So you, you are witness, you are witness of these things and I look and look, I'm sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you're emp- empowered from on high. Then he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them and while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they were con- continually in the temple, praising God.
1: Can you say amen? amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God for the reading of the word. Thank you so much, Rob. Isn't that amazing? As we go through the book of Luke and even um, the last part of the scripture that they read, where Jesus is man enough to eat with the disciples, yet he's God enough to disappear from the midst of Cleopas and his traveler when they were in Emmaus. And so as we were going through this and and we were thinking about what to share today, I thought about the title, Sight Beyond Sight. Sight beyond sight. Do I have any 80s babies in the house? Okay, so I'm, I'm not gonna date myself too much uh, by this reference. My 80s babies, do you remember Thundercats? Yes, that, was my show. that was my show. I watched it all the time, Lionel, Panthro, All of the the Thundercats and and what they what they did and what they displayed and one of the things one of the key things that you saw in there was the Sword of Omen remember that Lionel would pull that out and he would be like Sword of Omen give me sight beyond sight and he was able to see with his naked eye certain things but when he had the Sword of Omen He was able to see beyond what he could see with his normal eye. And what I wanted to talk to us about today is how imperative it is that believers see beyond the surface, beyond what we see with our eyes. In Luke 23, we see the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus. We see how he was betrayed by Judas. We see how he goes before Pontius Pilate. We see his entire passion. And we see him brought up to be crucified. And even in that, the the scriptures doesn't, doesn't really do it justice in terms of the scourging, in terms of the brutality of the crucifixion. And yet there is a picture of Christ in his crucifixion and then being buried. So the chapter, chapter 23, closes with him being laid in the tomb. And then chapter 24 opens with an empty tomb and his disciples being alerted to the fact that his body is not there. Peter, in fact, was amazed at what he saw. He had to go and check it out for himself. And so the story that takes place in Luke 24, uh, verses 13 through 35, is where I want to zero in on. Because this is where we get our message, sight beyond sight. Cleopas and his companion were on their way to Emmaus from Jerusalem, which was a seven-mile journey. And in Luke 24, 15, we don't have to go there, uh, but in that particular scripture, on the way, they were discussing and arguing about the events that had happened over the weekend. And Jesus began walking alongside them, but they were prevented from recognizing him. Their unbelief prevented them from recognizing that Jesus was in their midst. How do I know that? We'll deal with that in just a second, but just just keep that, put a pen there, keep that in the back of your mind. Their unbelief prevented them from recognizing that Jesus was in their midst. When Jesus asked them what happened, they stopped walking and looked discouraged. Cleopas was the one that spoke up, um, and he's shocked at the fact that this visitor does not know the town gossip. I can picture it like, bro, You don't know what happened this weekend? Where where were you? Were you under a rock? Did you not know? Did you not see this Jesus who claimed to be the king of the Jews? He was brutally beaten and scourged and whipped to death and then halfway to death and then crucified. And then they buried him. But he said that he was going to be raised again. Where were you? Jesus asked what happened, and they began to tell Jesus of Nazareth about Jesus of Nazareth. That was funny to me. Y'all don't have to laugh. It's cool. It's cool. They start telling Jesus about Jesus. Jesus. Jesus never asks a question for information. He always asks for revelation. There's never a question that, there's never a time where God asks a question that he does not know. Because he's omniscient, omniscience. He is all-knowing. He is all-wisdom. He looks at us from an eternal glance, so he sees our past, present, and future all at the same glance. There is not a time that God will have a question that he does not know the answer to. His questions are never for his own benefit, but rather his questions are for our benefit. How do I know that? Let's go back to Adam. In the garden, after they sinned, they went to hide themselves. What was the first thing that God said? Adam, where are you? It isn't that he didn't know where Adam was. He was trying to get to Adam and ask Adam a question for his own revelation. Moses, when Moses was getting ready to deliver the children of Israel, he asked him, what do you have in your hand? It isn't that he didn't know that he was a sheep herder. It isn't that he didn't know that he had a staff in his hand, but rather God was trying to to get his attention. When wrestling with Jacob, before he changed his name to Israel, he asked him, what is your name? As if he didn't know, God knew what it was. But before God reveals something about himself or us and reveals his plan and purpose, he begins with a question. Before God reveals something about himself or us. And reveals his plan and purpose, he begins with a question. The question ensures that he has our attention. Our answer reveals what's in our heart. I don't think you got that. I'm going to say it again. The question ensures that he has our attention, but our answer reveals what is in our heart. Adam said he was naked. Revealing the separation between him and God, because before he was naked and not ashamed. Moses thought all he had was a staff in his hand, but it was a tool that God used to deliver the children of Israel. Remember, he threw it down in the presence of the sorcerers and it became a snake. And then they said, well, we can do that, too. And theirs became snakes as well. And then Moses' snake ate up theirs. And then that same staff, he stuck out before the Red Sea and it parted. Jacob, he knew what his name was. More importantly, he knew what his name meant. Jacob's name meant supplanter or to supersede another, especially by force or treachery. He was a trickster so much so that he tricked his own brother out of his birthright. (sighs) Smooth criminal. (laughs) God had to change Jacob's name in order to change his self-perception. Here in our story, Jesus asked them what happened to reveal where their faith was. It revealed what was in their heart. Luke 24, 21. But we are hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Their discouragement and lack of faith was directly tied to their expectations. Their discouragement and lack of faith was directly tied to their expectations. What were they expecting? They were expecting the Messiah to redeem them from Roman rule and to set them free from the Roman Empire. Even after encountering Jesus and his teachings, they were still looking for a political savior instead of the eternal life-giving forgiver of sin. We're still talking about sight beyond sight. They stumbled over their expectations and couldn't see past what they were looking for. Jesus is standing in front of them and they still couldn't see him because it wasn't him that they were necessarily looking for, but rather the expectation that he was going to be the one to save them out of Roman rule. When Jesus came, he came in an unconventional way. Counterculture to what they were expecting and even still tried to help them to see that it wasn't that he was coming to free them from Roman rule. He was coming to free them from an even deeper ruler that had an even deeper grasp on them. And that was the nature of sin. Christ came to redeem us from sin. It's bigger than our political expectations. It's bigger than my four and no more. It's bigger than what's going on in your house. God is trying to affect the entire galaxy. God is trying to, He's trying to redeem an entire people, an entire world. It's as if he's sitting there saying, if your perception of me, your wants, your desires are all that you see, then you can't and you won't see me. If all that you can see is what's in front of you and you have forest for the trees syndrome, where you can't see the forest because you're staring at this one tree. You can't and you won't see me. Let's go over to Luke 24, 25 through 27. He said to them, How foolish are you and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Go back, verse 25, 26, sorry. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Present suffering is only the vehicle that gets us to future glory. Present suffering is only the vehicle that gets us to future glory. Everything that Christ had to go through, it it needed to happen the way that it happened. The crucifixion needed to happen the way that it happened in order for him to enter into the glory that the Father had for him on the other side of the cross. And if we are followers of Christ, then that means we pick up our cross and we follow him. And there is a glory for us on the other side of the cross. But the cross still needs to be Bared. barren, barren, buried, carried. Cross needs to be carried. <laughs> we can't get to the glory on the other side of the cross if we can't see beyond our current perceptions. If we can't see beyond what is happening in our lives right now, then it'll keep us stagnant. It'll keep us in the same place and it won't allow us to move forward. But if we can see beyond what is happening in our lives right now, then we can get to the glory that's on the other side. Everything that we're going through right now is just the process for the promise. The passion of Christ accomplished more than mere political freedom. He freed us from sin and reconciled us to God redeeming us and providing our justification. So question, what do you see? This is that self-check moment that Adam, Moses, And Jacob had to go through. What do you see? Concerning your life, your finances, your family, your marriage, your singleness, your hopes, your dreams, your failures, your shortcomings, What do you see? Take it a step further. What is beyond what you see right now? Our prayer should be, God, help me see what is beyond what I see right now. God, help me to see Beyond what I see, because what I see right now is pain. What I see right now is hurt. What I see right now is what my mom did, my dad did, my friend did, my child did. What I see right now doesn't line up with what you showed me. When David was anointed to be king, he was anointed, and then he had to go back to tending sheep. Barnyard doesn't look like a palace, does it? But his anointing wasn't for the present. But there was a future hope and a promise that God had for David. So how do we make the connection between where we are right now and where we're supposed to be? Hebrews 11 and 1. Faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. In other words, faith is the tangible connection to what is beyond what we see. If Cleopas... His companion and the disciples had faith in what Jesus said beyond their agenda and what they could see, then Jesus' death and burial wouldn't have affected them. Because they would have looked forward to his resurrection and would have been looking for him. Not their agenda. Not what they thought he was supposed to do, but rather what he said he was going to do. So the challenge for us today is to have sight beyond sight. God, help me to see beyond what I see right now. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for giving us sight. We thank you for taking the scales off of our eyes and allowing us to see not just our present circumstances, but to see your promise, to see your glory. We thank you, Father, for allowing us to see more than what we see right now. Help us to see beyond our current circumstances and keep our eyes focused on you, the author and finisher of our faith. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing Podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.